This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to I Know That Face, the only podcast which honours the often underappreciated by the masses work of character actors. My name is Stephen Portio. My name is Andrew Carroll and welcome to I Know That Face Redux. This is where we'll be posting bonus non-character actor content for anyone subscribed to HPN+. Today, that will be recommendations for myself and Andrew on some cool stuff to check out in the world of film or TV. Maybe in the future, it'll be stuff that was cut out of our you know main feed episodes. Yeah. It could be interviews. It could be... You had a great idea. You had two great ideas about... I did, yeah. I had, uh, I d- I've, I've, I'll only say the one that I've come up with a good name for, <laughs> which is uh, Stars for Rent. We'll talk about um, star former leading men who are still leading men, but in straight to DVD thrillers and stuff like that. Uh, only, only the best though, because I'm not sitting through shite just for the, just for the sake of bonus material. So watch out for our three days to kill episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wanted to raise this thing about Mubi, one of our one of our favorite streaming services. Yeah, it's an amazing streaming service where. They only ever have 30 movies. Mm. Every day they add one. Every day they take one away. So it kind of gives you a little bit extra incentive mm. to watch these movies. Although movie, movie gives and movie taketh away. Exactly. But also they have a movie library. So mm. occasionally if yeah. they have the rights to take the movie, it might stick around for a little bit longer. Yeah. And in you click into that and there's a lot of cool movies and each one will be in this cool section of you know the website, like mm. a subsection. Um, they've added a new one for Halloween. It's called Trick or Flick Halloween Horror. From the stuff I've seen on the website, it looks really good. Uh, Night of the Living Dead is there. So, like, iconic. Like, yeah. they're coming to get yeah. you, Barbara. <laughs> like, basically, if you like The Walking Dead, Night of the Living Dead is where it all began, yeah. really. Um, Suspiria, which we've talked about. Both the re- versions or? I believe that they only have the Argento. Um, but Dario Argento, Suspiria, we've, it's kind of come up a lot on the show because we've talked about the remake and we've talked about Dario Argento's other yeah. films. Yeah. I love Suspiria. I have a poster of it hanging in my room. Scares yeah. my girlfriend. <laughs> and Knife Plus Heart, which is this uh, brilliant kind of throwback to Jallo movies along the lines of Argento that yeah. came out two years ago starring Vanessa Paradis. Good Manners, which is this brilliant Brazilian uh, werewolf movie which goes to places that you would have never expected from the beginning. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, Zombie Child, which is Another thing I would like to do on this podcast, if we ever got it, is there's a couple of directors that I love that mm. I feel like no podcasts have really ever covered. Yeah. So maybe we could pick a, a filmmaker and then just watch a bunch of their movies and kind of raise awareness of that filmmaker. Yeah. If I was going to do that, one of the filmmakers I would pick would be Bertrand Bonello, who made Zombie Child and has made movies like Nocturama and House of Tolerance. He's an amazing French director. And uh, Zombie Child is this really cool, realistic way. Half of it's like a realistic zombie movie about a Haitian person who rose from the dead mm, yeah and then half of it is set a couple of decades later and is one of his about one of his descendants and you have no idea for most of the movie why you are seeing these two stories linked up until the end and it's amazing all I have to say to that is ooh la la bon lui en genre please cut that Charlene <laughs> I'm editing this <laughs> please cut this Stephen The Reflecting Skin uh, amazing movie by Philip Ridley uh, Southern Gothic really creepy very butcher boy, mm, I'd say. It's okay. kind of about kids trying to find their way through the world. Um, in and going t- insane while they do it. Exactly. Yeah. And finding heads in cabbage patches. Viggo Mortensen's in it as well. Oh, holy the shit. Early Viggo Mortensen role. And then The Night Configuration, which is directed by William Peter Blatty. Uh, I just watched The Exorcist again last night. So, made for you. Yeah. It's a really fascinating movie about these people 
in an insane asylum and weird stuff starts to happen. And then um, th- those are movies I have seen, so I can tell you that they're all terrific. Yeah. And then Cure was recently added, which Andrew... Cure. I've written about Cure for an article on J-horror, the Japanese horror on head stuff. It's maybe... It's like... A lot of people talk about Japanese horror as like Ringu and Pulse, which was also directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa, who directed Cure. But Cure came before all that. So it was like Japanese horror had arrived fully formed. And, uh, you know, Audition came late two years later in 1999. And that was a masterpiece. But Cure is probably the better film because, like, it's terrifying. And, like, all of it is shot in, like, decaying urban spaces or, like, this basically like old schoolhouse in the middle of nowhere and uh, like it's like um it's kind of like it's similar to Ringu in that there's haunt a haunted film involved but it's like a haunted film reel and it's it's about this detective who is investigating murders perpetrated by people who have no idea why they killed um the people they killed or why they did it or how they did it really um and a large X is carved into the victim's chest and eventually the detective finds out um, that it's uh, the result of this man who's really interested in hypno- in hypnosis. But uh, towards the end of the film, you start to realise that uh, everyone's a victim here, not just uh, not just the murderer or the detective. It's probably one of the best Japanese films I've ever seen. Great. You've got me so hyped. I might mm. go home and watch that tonight. Yeah. Um, there's also Dementia 13, which is an, the first Francis Ford Coppola movie. Oh, really? So, you know, if you want to see where that 70s all-time streak came from, the origins of that, yeah. where he made Two Godfathers, The Conversation, and Apocalypse Now, Dementia 13, it's there. And then uh, Dementia 13 was produced by Roger Corman, and then they have also Roger Corman's Little Shop of Horrors. And as I've said on this podcast before, or maybe I've said on an episode that hasn't come out yet, uh, I think that the Pit and the Pendulum... Roger Corman movie is a masterpiece. Andrew disagrees. Yeah. But, uh, but we won't come to blows over it. I will. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I'd be very curious to check out Little Shop of Horror. So there, these are some horror movies that you can check out that are a bit off the beaten path. Yeah. Uh, will yeah. make you look cool at hanging yeah, out with your yeah. friends. Be like, oh, actually, um, Suspiria is pretty yeah, good. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then uh, I'm also watching... I these- enjoy the original, but I find the, 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 <laughs> the remake has a more of a homage, really. That's more of a meteor subtext to it. That's a glimpse into me and Andrew just at the pub. Yeah, <laughs> talking. yeah pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm watching these other two horror TV shows, uh, The Third Day and Evil, and they're kind of challenging my notions of. I used to think that horror on TV wouldn't really work because horror is a genre which kind of rely needs it really to, benefits from brevity. Yeah, and it need it needs it's so easy to let the air out of the balloon. Mm. And making something longer yeah. and longer isn't necessarily making it more scary. Yeah, but um, the third day is like the maybe the best movie about cults mm. or folk horror I've ever seen. Like a I cult think, movie, if you will. Exactly, cult TV show. I think it's better than The Wicker Man. I think it's better than Midsummer. Um, it stars Jude Law as this person who is uh one day he's in the woods and this woods has particular significance for him and he sees a woman hanging herself he's he's a little uh, teenage girl Mm. he saves the teenage girl he says can i take you home she lives on this island that you can only drive to when the tide is low sort of a bull island type deal if bull island was under the road to bull island was underwater for most (laughs) of the time he drives her there and then ends up getting stuck there overnight and there's all these people on the island it's like patty considine emily watson there's this little community it's called oc they have um 
different religious beliefs. They mm. seem to worship the OC and they're planning to do a big festival there. And uh, stuff gets really, really weird. But helping people is what this place is all about. Thank you, but I can't stay. But you need to come with us before that causeway closes and you have to stay here in paradise forever. Well, you can't leave. And uh, Catherine Watterson's in the show as well. Naomi Harris is in the show as well. Uh, she hasn't come into it yet. So because basically it's the show is split into three parts. There's three episodes are called Summer. I think there is three episodes called Winter, which is going to be Naomi Harris's stuff. And then in the middle, there's Fall, which is going to be a 12 hour live streamed event. Yeah, exactly. OK, that is um, hasn't happened yet as we're recording. But by the time we record is will be out. Mm. And it's going to be apparently like a live theatrical experience. Okay. Um, it sounds really weird. I really hope they release some sort of edited version of yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. that I can actually watch it. Yeah. But um, Who's got 12 hours? It sounds fascinating. Jude Law has been giving interviews about it where people have been like, what if you need to pee? And he's like, we'll pee in the show. <laughs> it sounds Great. interesting. And yeah. the whole show is sort of building up to this festival. Mm. so I imagine having seen three episodes of the third day which I, I love so much it's I'll talk more about why I love it um, I imagine it's just going to be the fast one apparently Florence Welch is taking part oh cool part. It, it sounds mad it's for, uh, the show is uh, show run by Dennis Kelly who made Utopia the original yeah. Utopia show It's which has also gotten a remake recently um, but it was also made with the idea of doing this theatrical experience and I think with COVID-19 before COVID-19 it was meant to be sort of a more immersive kind of like fans of the show could get involved I think now they're doing it as this um, slightly kind of more restricted thing but Mm, it still sounds really interesting what I like about the show is that it's got this really immersive direction where a lot of it's from Jude Law's POV and you're sort of seeing everything through his eyes and the way he feels things and it's very atmospheric and Jude Law as well has particularly like I feel for ages Jude Law was trying to position himself as sort of a Hollywood Hollywood A-list star because he was so attractive. Mm. But there was something a little bit too slick about him Mm. on screen that he's not the most easiest person, I think, to kind of like, I don't know, buy as your hero. But as he's gotten older and he's gotten a little bit like hair is thin just a little bit, but he still looks amazing. He has been brilliant in these more darker roles like in The Young Pope and in this new other new HBO show, The Third Day. I also think the show really appeals to me because it's about this guy who has sort of found... Who has his... thinning hair. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Uh, but it's about this guy who's sort of trapped himself in his daily routine and feels sort of stuck. Yeah. And even though this island is really creepy and terrifying, it's a place where that allows him to be free. Yeah. So anytime, which is always the thing in these kind of cult horrors where it's like, why don't they just go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this yeah. movie... Or in this TV show, they have the 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 road that he can only drive on yeah, at a certain yeah. time. But anytime he gets to that road, he's a little bit like, I would like to stay here. Though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you completely understand thematically why he's staying on the island. Mm. Um, I really like it. And then Evil is the to- is totally opposite of the third day in that like it's not a very cinematic show. It's sort of a procedural. Every episode yeah. is a different. It's a bunch of these investigators investigating a case because it's about this woman who, on the in the pilot episode, is assigned to basically defend this person who is arguing that he committed this murder because he was possessed. Okay. And through this, she ends up getting involved with this priest who goes around the country investigating these cases like this. And then after the first episode, she ends up 
working, going to work with okay. these people. Yeah. And then every episode is her investigating some sort of supernatural event and trying to work out whether it's real or fake. Got a great cast. The main actress is Katja Herbers, who's this Dutch actress who has a flawless American accent. She was Ed Harris's daughter in Westworld. Okay, yeah. In the second season. Mike Coulter, who's Luke Cage, is in mm. it. Michael Emerson, who played Ben and Lost. Terrifying. Terrifying and evil. Um, a bunch of people in the show where you're like, oh, that person. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that face. Exactly. Redux. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was waiting for the show to come out for ages because it, it was getting really good reviews, I think, at the beginning of this year. And I assumed it was going to drop onto Netflix or some other streaming service, maybe Amazon Prime or Sky Atlantic or something yeah. like that. Um, went on to Alibi, which is a channel that I did not know <laughs> yeah. I had. It's there. Yeah. It, it's on weekly. I've seen two episodes already. I'm really into it. Um, check it out. Um, the third day is also, I'm not sure if I said, is on Sky Atlantic. So I, I assume it's on Now TV. Yeah, I presume so. Yeah. Well, speaking of TV shows, I have I moved house recently and uh, me and my housemates decided that the first show we'd watch together, well, well, the first show we actually watched together was Community, which was great fun. Um, we're not finished it yet, but, you know, nice lighthearted. Uh, the second show was The Terror. <laughs> so in 1845... The Franklin Expedition, led by Rear Admiral Sir John Franklin, who's played by Kieran Hines in the show, sets out from England to find the Northwest Passage, which is the open water between Canada and the Arctic, with 129 men on board two ships, HMS Terror and HMS Erebus. They were never heard from again. Our situation is more dire than you may understand. That is how you already see it. In need of saving. I do. So The Terror is a 10-episode series. It's available on Amazon Prime, and it's probably the best ensemble drama ensemble drama since Deadwood. The cast is led by, as I said, Kieran Hines uh, for the first uh, three episodes, and then there's uh, Jared Harris as Captain Francis Crozier and Tobias Menzies as Captain James Fitzjames. And basically the show posits that it wasn't just the cold and starvation that killed all 129 men. So just to be clear, this actually happened, um, but the show says that in uh, it wasn't just um, you know the horrible conditions of the Arctic and the uh, rotting food that killed these men. It was um, a bear demon known as the Toonbak, uh, which they actually accidentally unleashed by killing an Inuit shaman. And uh, basically, it, the Toonbak proceeds to kill everything it can catch. And it's uh, it's not like an it's like a very much a, more of a demon than a bear. It has the shape of a polar bear, but a very human kind of face. And it spend uh, like it spends more of its time kind of stalking the crew and like putting the fear of God into them, or the fear of the tune back more appropriately uh, than it does um, actually killing anyone. Uh, but when it does kill people, it's horrifying. Um, and it's a show that manages to discuss things like, like class, sexuality, masculinity, brotherhood, family hierarchy, and leadership uh, over ten episodes, while still honoring and respecting the genre trappings that make it so entertaining. And, like, the writing is super tight, but it's the performances of the entire cast that make it so easily watchable. It's like, like, uh, Crozier and Fitzjames initially hate each other, and that slowly grows into, like, a really, really lovely kind of brotherhood. Wonderful performance by Tobias Menzies. Like, there's a line at the end where, uh, because of the social mores of the time, like, they couldn't really express it, but, uh, like... Tobias Menzies just uh, looks up at Francis and he's, as he's lying on uh, in his sick bed, basically, and says, "Oh, we brothers, Francis." Oh, it's so sad. I would like that very much. Because Jared Harris is Irish and Tobias Menzies is 
uh, sort of a member of royalty. Yeah, like, he's upper class, upper class anyway, yeah. and uh, or upper class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Crozier is um, Irish by birth and uh, lower class, and has struggled with that all his life, and has uh, dealt with it through alcoholism essentially. And seeing him overcome alcoholism in that show is a real, really incredible journey. And uh, he finally does it, and the men are having a celebration outside, and he decides to join them. And then somehow the show just tips into even more pitch black darkness yeah. from there. Um, and you have like side characters like uh, the Ice Master Blanky, uh, who uh, who so, remains so steadfast and full of like good cheer. Just and Ian Hart. Isn't Ian Hart. It? Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, and despite losing a leg, and then like Kieran Hines is so entertaining because he re- he really like commits to this haughty, snobby buffoon yeah. that is uh, like so willing to believe that he can just conquer the Arctic, uh, that like nature will obey him. Spoiler alert, it yeah, won't. It won't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's uh, Adam Nagaitis, who I think this was his first major role as, uh, uh, I think, Cocker's mate, uh, K- Hickey, yeah. who uh, is kind of is like the bad guy of the show outside of the bear demon. He's uh, kind of the best in the show. Yeah. Although he's, in a cast of like amazing Yeah, he's such, an, he's such an incredible find because this is one of his first like screen jobs anyway. Yeah. Just like, it's, it's interesting to see how like certain men have different reactions to absolute hopelessness because Hickey is like, how can I work this situation to my advantage? How can I use this bear demon that's killing all my friends to my advantage? And how can I take control uh, of this uh, shit show, essentially? Whereas like a character like Dr. Goodsir, who's played by uh, Paul Reddy, is like, so good. Like, he's, a hug. Yeah, he starts out as this, like, you assume he's like this kind of weak, like effeminate, but ultimately kind man. Uh, compared to all the other doctors and crewmen and then he becomes this like incredible beacon of hope for everyone and uh, I think uh, his let's say ending really brings the show full circle in its own way because at the start of the film he's yeah he's telling it like the show has an incredible uh, relationship with death more than any other show does because the first person to die is like a cabin boy who's dying of consumption and Dr. Gutzer promises him that he'll see God and flights of angels as he uh, passes away and instead he sees like the shaman from later on in the series wearing a mask telling them to get the hell out of the arctic and then uh, dr goodsir eventually uh, because this isn't a spoiler everyone in this show dies or nearly everyone and um, uh, dr goodsir eventually sees god as only a man of science can which is i think is an incredibly beautiful thing to to show and uh, that like that's what makes the show so special because it's about how doomed all these characters are and like there is no easy escape here. They're 800 miles from the closest settlement and there's only suffering broken by brief camaraderie and finally death. And uh, like very few, I think very few characters actually choose the manner of their passing in the show and so it means so much when people like Dr. Goodsir or Ice Master Blanky or um, Cap- uh, Captain Fitzjames uh, go as, on their own terms. On their own terms, yeah. 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 And uh, it also means a great deal when you see characters who have been mercilessly cruel throughout the whole show get ripped apart by the Toonback or their own con- their own choices uh, come back with horrible consequences. And uh, I think it works as both horror and drama because of its depth of character and its propulsive plot, despite the fact that they are essentially travelling at a snail's pace throughout all ten episodes. I think you've said it, but it's a very tender show. It is, yeah. Like, yeah. You really love all the characters yeah. and there is a real sense by the end of the show that like we've spent a year with these characters yeah, yeah. like you almost feel like you're on the ship with them yeah. you know and I you think, get their power dynamics yeah. and everything and I think whereas a lot of films and TV shows with 
that focus on men are often about like uh, toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity. Whereas this this one is to a degree as well, but I think it's so rare to see uh, male friendship and like brother brotherhood that isn't between brothers depicted in such a positive light. Mm. And I think that's what makes the show so special to me. And there's show. also a second season. Have you? Checked I haven't out checked it? out the second season. I've heard bad things, and I think I need to distance myself uh, from the first season by a good bit before I check out the second season. Yeah. Just so I know, because I know they're quite different stories. Yeah. Anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, just uh, you wrote about the terror. You should say that I did write about the terror on Head Stuff. Yeah, check out that article. I wrote about the how it uh, for the literature on film series, um, how the book and uh, TV show um, reflect each other, and uh, I think they are both equally as good as each other because watching the show feels like you've read uh, a thousand page book, and uh, reading the book makes you appreciate like the, the show a whole lot more and the detail that went into it. So and uh, hey, listen. If anyone has any uh, gaming articles they want to uh, <laughs> they want to send me, send them to gaming at headstuff dot org. <laughs> uh, follow me on Twitter. It's uh, I'm Stephen Portio. Uh, check out the Heads of Film section if you know you're looking for some recommendations. I want to check out in cinema or like on VOD or on streaming services. We've we'll, been putting up pretty much an article a day for the last couple of weeks, and uh, it looks like great the site. So yeah. check it out. Woo! See you later, cinephiles. Bye bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.